We are back. And in this hour, Adrienne Schopschreier, who is the executive director of Black Pack and a Democratic strategist, is joining me in this hour to help us make sense of all of this news about Black voters. It's been seemingly this intense focus on what Black voters are going to do. A lot of articles suggesting that Black voters are going to break with the Democratic Party and are going to vote in large, large numbers for Donald Trump. Uh, other articles out, in the New York Times, Washington Post, other news outlets suggesting that Black voters are very, very frustrated with the Biden-Harris administration over everything from student loan debt relief to the Biden uh, embrace of Israel in the Israel-Palestinian war. And some big name folks, people with platforms, uh, you know, in the music industry, in, in media, are out also suggesting that Donald Trump is the way to go in this next election and that Biden has let uh, Democrats down and particularly Black voters. So I want to talk with Adrian today because she does a lot of polling, she does a lot of focus groups, and she has her finger on the pulse of Black voters. And I think it's so important that we start talking facts uh, and not, you know, being a part of this machine that continuously pushes out misinformation and disinformation. So thank you so much, Adrian, for uh, joining me today and for all the work that you do around this issue. It's so critically important. I want to start with this current NBC poll. There's an NBC poll, like, I don't know, November 19th, November 20th, that says Biden still holds an advantage over Trump among Black voters. They, this poll has him uh, up 69% to 20%. But in this same article, talks about all of the frustration that Black voters have uh, with Biden on everything, as I said, from student loan debt to his position on this war in the Middle East. So tell us what you make of this NBC poll and then how we should read it in light of that poll that came out earlier in the month from the New York Times. I think that shocked everyone, uh, suggesting that 22% of Black voters might be voting for Donald Trump. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that the, the way that we should look at this and particularly, I mean, and I'll start with the are 22 percent of black voters going to support Donald Trump? Let's start there, because I think there are some some other legitimate issues to talk about. Um, and the answer to that for all of us is we should just look at what black voters have done already uh, in relationship to supporting Donald Trump. Um, and the fact of the matter is, is that black voters have not supported Donald Trump or Republicans, even that Trump has endorsed um, anywhere near those levels, even though, you know, before 2020, there were pundits and there were polls that suggested that black voters were going to support Donald Trump um, at these new historic levels. And that simply did not pan out. Um, Donald Trump was not on uh, the ballot in 2018. And yet black voters turned out to um, flip the uh, the House um, in Congress because of a recognition of what it would mean for Donald Trump to remain to maintain control um, of, of the House of Representatives. So black voters have done what they needed to do uh, to both preserve um, our democracy, but also um, to preserve uh, the potential for us to have um, a future uh, as a community. So when it comes to Donald Trump and his policies and his ideas and his outrageous rhetoric. So we should, we, we have to start there. We've, that has not happened. 
there's no real indication that those numbers uh, will come to be. And some of it, when we think about the polls, you know, when they do polling, um, they're not just polling black folks, right? They have a small sample size usually of black voters from which they then extrapolate, you know, uh, uh, put, you know, the 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 behavior of black other all black voters. So the sample size is small to begin with. Secondly, I just think that there's outliers in the sample size, and what's in the sample size, and what seems to be happening to me is that the the outliers within the sample within the small sample um, mm -hmm. are we're taking that. And we're saying, okay, so this is how all Black voters are going to act. And that small sample plus outliers just doesn't tell us anything. Um, you know, I think that there, there really is some legitimate concerns um, that, that Democrats should be tracking, which is that, you know, like all other voters in the country, when you ask Black voters how they feel about the direction of the country, people are very pessimistic. Um, and they're pessimistic for a whole host of reasons. And so we need to address those reasons. Um, there's a lot, many ways in which there's kind of information barriers um, to, to Black voters. People are not hearing what the Biden administration has done. Um, they're not getting the information. It's not breaking through in the places where they're getting their, um, where they're getting their news and getting their information. So a lot of people just feel like they haven't seen a lot happen. Um, and that's, that's, an important place for Democrats to start in making sure that voters understand what the administration has done and how it's actually impacted the lives um, of black of black people and of black communities. And there's a lot there. I think that we simply ju that just gets overlooked, um, including the stuff around checks right? Um, and who gave what checks to who and how much. Um, I think people just uh, confuse a lot of that. And I think the media sometimes is is um, is, uh, you know, complicit in that um, in that confusion. Yeah, and that's the question I was going to ask you. Like, who's driving this narrative? Because if you Google, I just Googled Black Voters 2024. First article comes up, says, eyes on 2024, Black voters sour on Biden. Uh, the next one says, Biden might be Democrats' biggest problem, convincing Black and Latino voters not to support Trump. Another article, are Black voters looking for an alternative in 2024? The warning signs for Democrats about black voters in 20. I mean, the list just and these yeah. aren't like French papers. This is political. This is MSNBC. This is NBC. These yeah. are what you would say are left lean, left leaning yeah. publications. Right. And they are leading some black men lose faith in Biden. I mean, it just goes yeah. on. There is and this on sort of and on. Yeah. I mean, I think that the, the so the media has this bizarre kind of voyeurism, right? That is like, they're, they're sort of breathlessly waiting for Trump to flip the blacks, right? Like that seems to be the thing that they are very, very excited about, right? I mean, I've been saying like, it's sort of, you know, like political pornography or something. It's like when, you know, like let's all tune in and, and see how Donald Trump is going to get the blacks, right? And so there's this, there's this weird sort of very odd um, giddiness, about this that the that the media has sort of uh, fixated on and picked up on, um, and I you know so it's partly being driven obviously by uh, the media and I think polls that are not helpful across the board. Um, I also think that this is a narrative obviously obviously that helps um, Republicans because it is a narrative that says to um, Black voters one that all the things that you think you've heard about Joe Biden are true. Um, regardless of where you've heard them from, right? And it also says, uh, 
you can have an off ramp, right? Um, that there are off ramps for you and you should take them, right? And so that narrative, obviously, it, it, without the sort of, you know, um, giving the same kind of attention to the impact of Biden, the Biden-Harris administration's policies on Black communities, right? Instead of doing some stories on that and talking about why Black voters still continue to support uh, Joe Biden in all of their polls in higher numbers than any other constituency. Why is that? Let's talk about why that is, right? And it's because there are policies that, two things I say, policies that actually have had positive impact and positive benefit in Black communities. And secondly, I think Black voters are really clear about what the stakes are um, in this next election. It have been for a long time. People understand the, you know, uh, what it meant to live in the United States of, of America under a Donald Trump administration. Black people understand that. And so, so they that, said, mm -hmm. I, I just want to say this, Adrian, about that point, because there's an article in the New York Times that says Americans, they're not talking just about black folks, but they're saying this article says Americans seem to have amnesia about what it was like to live under a Donald Trump administration. And you have people now saying we wish he was back in office that things were better. He, yeah, he was, you know, a chaos master and he said things that we didn't necessarily like and he was rude, blah, blah, blah. But they're fantasizing about this period that didn't exist and heaping on him this level of success that he's undeserving of. But, <laughs> you know, the article basically says the most popular president is the former president, right? You you're listening to Ariva Martin in real time on KBLA Talk 1580. We are back and in this hour of Ariva Martin in real time, we're talking about the election and black voters and what are black voters likely to do. There are a number of polls out suggesting that black voters are favoring Donald Trump over Joe Biden. Adrienne Shropshire is here. She's executive director of Black Pack and she's a Democratic strategist. Adrienne, I know you said there's a lot of things Democrats need to do. How concerned are you about the war and Biden's embrace of Israel? Where again, the reports out that young Democratic voters think very differently about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict than perhaps older Democratic voters. Are you at all concerned about those younger voters and those Palestinian voters in swing states like Michigan? Yeah, I think that you know, certainly we have seen real concern among voters, younger voters in particular that we've spoken to, um, who are deeply concerned about uh, uh, the loss of civilian life. Um, they see the images on all of their feeds, right? They see it on national news and it's and it's alarming to people. Um, and they're concerned about our, our role or the role that we could be playing or can be playing in helping to, um, to end that kind of scale um, of, of devastation. I mean, fortunately, uh, uh, today, uh, this evening, there's the ceasefire um, that's been announced, at least a temporary ceasefire, um, which I think those who have been calling for one can, you know, feel proud about the work that they've done um, to, to bring at least um, some temporary relief to those to those people who are suffering. Um, you know, so I think those feelings are real and I think that voters are concerned and I think that they, um, you know, it's giving them pause about 
um, you know, their their participation and their support. I also think we're a year away from the election. And I also think that Black voters are not single issue voters. And so there is a, a whole battery of issue angst and issue concerns um, that are weighing on the Black community right now um, that I think those, all of those things we need to be paying attention to and thinking about the party needs to be thinking about how they're going to address those issues, how they're talking to voters about how they're going to change, um, make change around some of the critical issues that folks are concerned about. And not just the bread and butter issues either, right? Not just costs and inflation and um, rent, right? Uh, and groceries. It's not just that. It is the larger existential threats that people are really struggling with. They're struggling with, um, you know, we just saw yesterday this decision in the Eighth Circuit um, that essentially makes the Voting Rights Act irrelevant at this point, right? If there is no way um, to hold accountable those who are engaged in voter discrimination, then what's the point? Right. Um, and so people are concerned about our fundamental rights. Obviously, people are concerned about voting rights. They're concerned about um, uh, abortion rights. Right. And women's reproductive health. Um, they're concerned about a whole range of issues. Gun violence. Right. Um, they are concerned about racism and the you know increasing march of white supremacy um, in this country. And they're concerned about, you know, uh, our most recent poll when we asked people uh, what the greatest threat to the black community was. People said, number one, the re-election of Donald Trump, which is also why I don't believe these 22% numbers, because you don't say that you think he's the biggest threat to our community and then put that level of support behind him. It's just not real. Donald Trump, number one threat, followed very closely um, by the rise in white supremacy. Those two things are not disconnected for Black voters. What do you, I'm glad that, you know, you are doing some polling, uh, focus groups and talking to Black voters, and hopefully that message that you just, you know, that what you just articulated about what black voters see as their biggest threat, i.e. the election, re-election of Donald Trump. You know, we need to see that out in the public spaces. We need that, you know, plastered over social media, plastered all over, uh, you know, some of the traditional media outlets. That story isn't being carried. I, I read for you that whole list of headlines yeah. when you Google Black Voters 2024. What yeah. are you making, though, of some of these uh, third party candidates, Robert Kennedy? Uh, Cornell West, Jill Stein, we know that a third party candidate can do damage to a Democratic presidency, a candidacy. They can peel off enough votes, particularly in those swing states, to harm and, and to sink a Democratic candidate. What are you making of this year's crop of third party candidates? Yeah, um, this is a real threat um, to um the president's campaign. And I think that Democrats uh, need to see it as such and need to take it seriously. And I think, again, though, as with Donald Trump, um, the issue isn't necessarily these third party candidates themselves, right? It really is whether or not people can muster the, the support that they need uh, for, for Joe Biden. Um, so when we talk to voters, what you know, what becomes clear is that there is an increasing number of folks who say that they will black voters who say that they would support a third party candidate. It is also often the case that they have they don't know anything about that third party candidate. Right. They are not familiar with them. Um, they're not, you know, uh, extremely familiar with Dr. West. They are not that familiar with Robert Kennedy. They just know the Kennedy name. Um, they're not that familiar with Jill Stein. They just remember her uh, from 2016. Um, so it isn't that they're 
is this, you know, these great third party candidates that people are just jumping to vote for. Um, those candidates really are just an off ramp for people who are dissatisfied with um, the Biden administration. So, again, it comes back to um, how are Democrats breaking through? How are they getting uh, the information to voters that voters need to have about what the administration has done. How are they reframing um, Joe Biden in in the in the eyes um, of these key constituencies that are going to need to turn out and, and be mobilized? There's also a fourth potential fourth off ramp, right, for the the um, the general electorate, right, which is the potential um, Joe Manchin uh, run mm. for for president. And so you have these four potential off ramps. And really, you know, I think the the uh, the the importance of making sure that people understand the stakes and reminding them of what choosing those off ramps meant in 2016 is going to be really important um, because there was a lot of people in our community in particular who voted for a third party candidate and, you know, regretted it <laughs> right afterwards. Right. Um, we're right. really, um, you know, both in terms of we, you know, back in 2017, we did focus groups and people would say, I didn't know that my entire family was going to be mad. Right. I didn't wow. know that this man was as bad as he has turned out to be. So we need to remind people of what what the stakes are when you when we don't consolidate our power. So I want to read something to you. Uh, this is the interview that Chris Wallace did with Charlemagne the God not too long ago on CNN. And again, Chris Wallace was saying, you know, what do you make of these uh, reports that support from black voters for Trump is up? Uh, Wallace says, if you believe the polls, Donald Trump is picking up support among black voters, especially young black voters. How do you explain that? Uh, Charlemagne, the Breakfast Club host, goes on to say, well, if you have a community and I can't speak for all black people, but black people aren't monolithic. We agree with that. But I'm just telling you, based on conversations that I've had and what I see, if you have a community who feels like they've never been spoken to, you know, by the government ever, like American government has, you know, ignored them, not paying them any attention. And let's just say all of a sudden you start getting checks in the mail one day, the stimulus checks, what they call what they call stimulus in the hood for twelve hundred. And this man's name is on them, Donald Trump. For the first time in probably forever, you just simply feel seen and you can talk to your next door neighbor about actually receiving something from the American government. Another thing, the First Step Act, you know, people see the First Step Act if you know somebody who, uh, and then he goes on to talk about the criminal justice system. Uh, yeah. And if you have Donald Trump taking credit for that, that's another thing you can point to. Man, Donald Trump not only let one of my people out of jail, he also sent us money. This yeah. is the guy taking credit for all of these things happening. And I think, believe it or not, that stuff is having an impact. Yeah. So all of that is wishful thinking on the part of Charlemagne. That was Donald Trump's argument to black voters in 2020. I did the first step back. I gave you checks. He said all of that and black people didn't buy it. Right. So I don't know. Charlemagne should just you know, come out and say that he's my guy, right? But trying to attribute what he thinks about Trump to the entirety of the Black community is just wrong. And yes, black the Black community and the Black vote is not a monolith, but there is consensus that we are not going to vote for a racist. And Black people believe that Donald Trump is a racist and that he brings with him a, a an entire, you know, uh, backdrop of white nationalists. And that is not something that we plan to vote for. And Black voters have said that over and over again on election day since 2016. 
2016. So he can continue to think that it's just not real. Trump tried that argument. It didn't work. Yeah. You know, to reading this, I want to be fair. It says that that's what he's hearing from black folks. Uh, when we come forward, I want to talk about the next question that Chris Wallace asked him. And he says, do you think the Democratic politicians take the black vote for granted and get offended when somebody like you just ask them a question. <laughs> what an interesting way for Chris Wallace to phrase that question. When we come forward, I'll get you to weigh in on that. Uh, we're talking about the Black vote in 2024. Stay with us, KBLA Talk 1580. First, Adrian, let me just say that question by Chris Wallace to Charlemagne about, do you think the Democrats take uh, black voters for granted and get upset if you challenge that proposition. You know, it's asked as if there's another party out there that's going to do so much better by black voters than Democrats. And of course, Charlemagne fell right into that trap and said 100% they take black voters for granted. And again, that just totally dismisses everything the Biden administration in particular. We don't have to go back to all kinds of other Democrats, Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, et cetera. But all the things that the Biden administration has done for black voters, i.e. starting with first black female vice president, first black female Supreme Court justice. I, we, today we talked about the uh, first general election debate being at historically black college uh, and university. So there's so many things we could just tick off as evidence of the Biden administration doing the opposite of taking black voters for granted and centering black voters, the, the huge number of black folks that are in that administration uh, that we've never seen, probably more diversity than any other president. And then this, 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 this lie about the checks. I just needed to Google and remind myself, and you know this, Adrian, uh, it was under Joe Biden that Congress passed a $1.9 trillion COVID relief bill in 2021, and the checks were $1,400. They were even higher than the first check. Yeah, so yeah, why are these people obsessed with that first check and have totally forgotten the second check and don't even get us talking on those child uh, tax credit checks right. that were huge for some Black folks? Well, in um, rent relief, Right. Like we talk about, uh, you know, the student loan debt relief as if it none, nothing has happened, as if zero dollars uh, have been relieved. And that is not true, uh, you know, in the hundreds of millions of dollars. Right. And so um, there is a way in which I mean, and this is, you know, um, how do I say this? <laughs> um, this sort of idea that you can that black people will sell out our future. Hello. For a check. Thank right? you. So, so to be so clear, in 2020, so um, the Trump campaign had, um, you know, before the pandemic hit and sort of, re you know, reduced the kinds of activity that people could do in communities, they had community centers set up and they would lure people in with $100 bills, right? They would raffle off $100 bills for people. Um, you had Herschel Walker in Georgia handing out gas cards, right? Like we're gonna we're gonna sell out our voting rights for a gas card. We're Thank gonna you. sell out democracy because you hand me a hundred dollar bill. Then we're gonna erase everything that we know to be true about Donald Trump the man and Donald Trump the president um, because of a twelve hundred dollar check. 
the, the, the sort and of the notion, Adrian, that we feel seen because we got right. a government check right. when yes. big corporations were getting billions and billions of dollars. Yes. And we are so just desperate that right. and it's so insulting. I, I don't even have words well, for that. It's insulting. I, it says a lot about what Republicans think about Black people. Um, yes. And really, I think to your the, where you where you started was flip the question. Ask Black people what they think about the, what the Republican Party has done in terms of policy and in terms of rhetoric when it comes to uh, Black people. Um, and let's, let's, let's go with inclusion. Question, right? What have or they even done to make you feel included in the Republican Party? Right. I mean, it's the same. It's the flip side of the question about, you know, let's talk about the um, the levels of black people that continue to support Joe Biden um, higher than any other voting block uh, in this country. Why is that? Right. It isn't because, you know, black people are asleep at the wheel. Right. Is because black people understand what's at stake. And to the degree that people understand the what the Biden Harris administration has done, there are things that they are that people really appreciate. They appreciate the diverse, um, you know, government. Right. They appreciate um, the uh, child tax credit. Right. They appreciate uh, the the mortgage assistance. Right. People people saw in a in a very desperate moment for this country real relief. Right. That came into the community. And that's not even the that's not even the infrastructure bill. Right. That is, you know, providing potential jobs. People expect government to do big things. Right. They expect government to solve big problems. And the Biden Harris administration has done a lot of that. Obviously, there's a lot more that needs to be done, clearly. Um, but there is a way in which we reduce our politics down to a transaction that really we have to think about whether or not that's how we want to understand our government and our role as citizens in this democracy, right? Certainly, there is a trade-off. I vote for you. I have an expectation that you will deliver on the things that you said you would deliver on. People should have that expectation. Um, but I'm not sure that we should be, you know, uh, reducing uh, our 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 government's effectiveness and the democracy that we live in down to did I get my twelve dollar check right or not right like that's just a, that's not the way that I think um, we we grow and develop a healthy healthy uh, democracy. Well, and the other thing about this interview that I think we need a takeaway or takeaways is the importance of factual information and not allowing yourself to be misled by people who have an agenda and who are citing half facts. So again, yes, there was a, a check that black folks and white folks and everybody in the country received, or most people, for $1,200 when Donald Trump was in office. Donald Trump was no longer in office in 2021 when there was there were more COVID relief dollars pumped into the economy and people got a $1,400 check. So you really can't Talk about if you felt somehow seen with twelve hundred dollars, which that statement in and of itself is still, you know, leaves you scratching your head. Like, how did that make you feel seen? Uh, but you should have felt even more seen when you got two hundred dollars more than the twelve hundred dollars. Your point is taken. Like, tell the whole story. Talk about the relief that was provided under both administrations. If you're going to talk about, you know, your cousin got out under Donald Trump, like like at a federal prison? Is that what you're talking about, right? Because I think that there's also some, there's an attempt to um, 
to so confuse people, right, about what the president has the ability to do in terms of criminal justice reform. But if we're going to do that, then talk about, you know, uh, what Joe Biden has done in terms of, um, you know, uh, 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 marijuana, right, and uh, the number of, of folks who've been uh, uh, paroled under those, you know, terrible laws um, under the Biden administration. Like, so let's talk, if you're going to do one, if, if let's you're talk about trying to judges. inform the people. Let's talk to about the, the judges. Yeah. Yes, the judges that have been appointed by Joe Biden because so many of those sentences that were disproportionate are because of Republican races, in many cases, judges that have been appointed to the court by folks like Donald Trump. And so he let your cousin out of jail, but he appointed the most conservative Supreme Court ever that's going to restrict your rights, even those of us who hopefully will never go to jail. So it's, it's such a half you know, such a almost it's a ridiculous conversation. Chris Wallace was feeding this narrative, obviously, you know, sounded more like he was on Fox News than CNN with those questions. And Charlemagne obviously responding in a way consistent with what you would expect someone on Fox News to say himself. Uh, I, I just encourage people don't fall for it just because you like somebody and they're a good talk show host, they're a good radio DJ you know, they're a good actor. That's it. That's it. They are not, they are not the like final word on politics. And just because you can, you know, string together a couple of sentences does not make you a political expert. So people need no. to check where they get their news and information from. Uh, last 30 seconds, Adrian, what, what should we be looking for the Dems to do over the next 12 months or next, we don't even have 12 months, next nine months before this election? They need to get out and be talking to people. Um, you know, they need to be in full blown campaign mode right now. They need to be at every every campaign stop they would make, you know, in the in the closing six weeks. They need to be out there right now. They need to be on on black radio. <laughs> they need to be on black talk radio. They need to be in our our uh, 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 places of worship. They need to be on the doors in the communities. They need to be on people's digital platforms, all of them. Right. We need to be flooding the zone right now uh, with information for people and raising the stakes so that people understand um, what could happen uh, uh, if uh, we see Donald Trump win another election. And the reason what you just said is so important is we got to flood all of these airwaves and all of these outlets because we have to counter all of this right. misinformation that is being disseminated by folks, a lot of folks, even in our own community. Thank That's you right. so much, Adrian, for the work that you do. Really appreciate you. Always a pleasure to spend some time with you. I'm a lot smarter as a result. Uh, this is, uh, we are out of time, so I'll have to have you back so we can continue Thanks this conversation.